Welcome to the BU Show. The reality of it is, um, we don't know how much of this we have left, and it's called time, right? I heard uh, Art Williams, who's a mentor of mine, I heard him do this speech. He goes, you're only here for a flicker. You're just here for a flicker. And dab gum it, you're 20, then you turn 30. and 30, you're going to tear, tear the world up. Then you have kids. And before you know it, in your 40s, your kids are getting older and they go graduate. Then in 50s, all of a sudden, now you have grandbabies. In your 60s, now you're starting to go, whoa, what did I do with the last 30 years? And then in your 70s, you're starting to look for a grave that they're going to bury in the dirt. And he's funny when he says it, but, it, but what he's trying to say is that this thing called time keeps going on. And we really don't know how much we have left. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what are we going to do with the time that we have? You know, I don't know what you believe, and I'm not here to preach whether you, you know, what religion you believe in or if you believe that there's a higher power or God or the universe. But I believe whenever we meet our maker or, or whatever it's the end, you know, I, I can visualize you showing up and you looking over and someone looking over to you and you meet your maker and they go, hey, man, gave you all this potential. You had unlimited potential. My question to you is, what did you do with it? You know? And, and that's one of the things that is close to my heart is like life is going to be made up of moments and magic moments that are going to come in and touch us. Some of them we don't even know touch us until it's at the end, right? And we look back. And I feel obligated and I feel it's so important to talk about this thing called time just because we're all in a different season of life. The season of life that I've been going through in the last year, just like a lot of you, and if you like me, we, you, you've gone through a time of maybe a little bit of pain, a little bit of reflection, uh, a little bit of growth, you know, and it reminded me today of a book. I've talked a lot about this book, but you never know what has or what coincidence shows up. But I was in an airport one time, and I usually pick out books. I'm not a big reader today. I've read tons in my early 20s and 30s. I, I call it skimming now. Now I like to like take something away from something I read and apply it, right? Rather than just read a bunch of stuff or be a professional meeting goer, but never apply what I read. And that's what I was at one point, even though it, it wired me. And but how I pick out books is kind of funny. Yes, I listen to people and what they refer me to, but sometimes I just roll the dice. I flip the coin. I say, "What's what's going on?" And um, I'm in a one of the library or one of the kiosks, you know, going through the airport. If you all you all know what I'm talking about, they have all these books, and this one was just front and center, and it just looked kind of interesting to me because it said the power of moments and magic moments are something that. I've talked about for 20 years. It's something that I believe that what are we doing to live in the moment? And what is that moment going to do to create a legacy or in our own lives? Um, you know, because we have our own record player. And what's crazy about social media today is you can record a lot of moments and they're always going to be there, right? In the point to the book, I opened up, I read it, and looked through it, but the story of the book touched me. 
And it touched me because maybe it was timing. Maybe it was the perfect thing for me to read at the time. And this was four or five years ago. Um, but it talked about the CEO, and it was a guy named Gino Kelly. He was mass- massively successful, ran a $4 billion company, had 20,000 employees. You know, he's 53 years old, had the tiger by the tail. And it started off, and it said that he wrote his memoir, and in his memoir, it said, I was blessed. I was told I had three months to live. And I thought, that's kind of interesting perspective. I was blessed. I was told I had three months to live. So he was a planner, so he immediately stepped down as CEO, and he made a new plan for his life. He adjusted, he adapted. And what he did was he started realizing that he wasn't going to be here, so he wanted to get the most out of his time that he could. So he started drawing these circles, and it was concentric circles. And on the outer, he started drawing relationships, people that were acquaintances. And from the outer to the inner went from more acquaintances or distant relationships to the people that were closest to him. Does this make sense? So it was his business associates, and it was his closest friends, his lifetime friends, his immediate family and mentor, his children, his spouse. And I thought it was amazing because as you kind of read through the story, what he wanted to do is orchestrate each of these relationships and each of these concentric circles. And the time he had left, he wanted to orchestrate special moments with each person in the circle. And so um, the memoir memoir that you read of this experience, four months after his diagnosis, he died. But one of the things he said in The Shadows is he said that he experienced more perfect moments and perfect days in two weeks than he had in the last five years. And he said he probably experienced more than he would in the next five years. And his life continued to go the way that it was before this diagnosis. And I want you to think about this with your own life, right? And he didn't create these to be a victim or to be poor, pitiful me. He didn't want to focus on him. He wanted to focus on the experience of just touching someone or catching up or reconnecting or doing whatever it might be. And... um I want you all to think about this as you look into your calendar, you look in your daily life, as some of us are, are we're in the grind and we are, have a lot of noise going on or we're chasing it, whatever it is, is do you see any perfect days? Are there hidden moments that you could unlock and create a magic moment? Um, and how long would it take you to do that, right? See, we have time right now. We don't have to be diagnosed with cancer, to truly understand how to appreciate the time that we're given. And that time, every single one of us is on a different clock and we don't know it. And the reason I'm talking about that is, you know, for some of you um, that know me, you know that uh, in the last five years, I've lost my mom since we started the company and then I've lost my father in the last year. And... Then I've had these two amazing little guys. And, um, and you know, I, I always say that I really kind of lost my dad six, seven years ago because he had dementia and Alzheimer's. And I think it's kind of crazy that when you start studying ketones and the fuel for the brain, how it's associated with 
brain health. And I'm not saying it can cure anything because it can't, but, you know, I often would say this on stage is, but if through diet or through ketones, you could get and extend the quality of time you have with one of your loved ones, maybe a week, maybe a day, I would give it that, I would give everything to have a lunch back with my dad. And, and, um, and so, thank you. I love you too. Um, and so, I've been reflecting a lot over the last year, and some things take courage, right? You know, we don't have to have something to, to create this leverage for us. We can decide and choose to do it. We can decide and choose love over ego. We can choose love, and we can choose time and legacy over stupid shit that sometimes we let get in between. And it, this is a big growth for me. And... um and also about a month ago, I reached out to a good friend of mine um, that probably was with me more than anyone, any man for sure, <laughs> in the last eight years. And um, I did it as a spur of the moment, but it had been building a lot. And um, he was my best friend. He, uh, for a lot of you know that I just went through a divorce. Uh, he actually married me eight years ago. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you is because it took a lot of courage for me to pick up that phone because anytime you split from people that you care about or you trust in the most and you love the most, you know, that pull, that pain sometimes can create anger and can create separation. Does this make sense? And he's here in the audience, but I wouldn't be who I am without the time that I spent with him. Does that make sense? And so um, I wanted to acknowledge him and maybe introduce him to you all, if you all, um, for a minute. Um, because he has a kind of interesting story. And, and the point is, is that you don't know what day you can't get back. Does this make sense? And so... Um, I'm super blessed. I'm super privileged that he's here, but it reminds me of the power of moments. And we've shared a lot of incredible moments. And it was funny because after eight years of not talking, of almost being enemies um, out of ego, is it's like we picked up where we never left off. Does this make sense? And so I just want to acknowledge him um, because people that have have come in and out of your life, they've part of molded you into who you are. And that's giving you the ability to give to more people. Does this make sense to you guys? And so if you guys would, I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Mr. Jason Bournet. So, so not going to have Jason talk or speak. Maybe I will a little bit, but, um, but, but he is. And, and I appreciate you being here. appreciate you showing up. Um, you know, and the funny thing is when I reached out to, to call him, I didn't call him, I texted him. And I wanted you all to hear this story because I want you tonight 
Because we all have someone in our lives that we haven't reached out to, that we haven't reconnected with, or that might have hurt us. But when you let that go, you grow even higher. And what's funny is I text him, and I don't even know what I said. And, um, and he can tell the story. And literally, he hit me back like this. He goes, did you mean that for me? Because I guess he thought it was a fucking group text. I don't know. And then, and then he said something like, oh, dude, I just had a dream about you. So tell him about the dream. So, uh, hello, prove it. I'll never forget. Somebody asked me when you were starting this ketone thing, and uh, they said, "What do you think about this ketone thing?" I said, "I don't understand it." I said, "But I would never met it, bet against Brian Underwood." And that was hard to say at the time. So. I'll take you back. I'll take you back to 2012. You know, we, we got divorced. It was messy. It sometimes happens in business. There's a lot of you have probably gone through. And we didn't talk for five years. And then I wake up one morning to a text. It was about two o'clock in the morning, and it was from Brian. I hadn't talked to him. hadn't seen him for five years. And prove it had taken off, and I knew it. And he writes, big mistake. so sad dot 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 so I wake up and you know my wife's next to me and I said Jen I said what do you think this means do you think that like he's really sad that like you know we're not brothers anymore and best friends or you know or was he you know being a jerk she goes oh no he was being a jerk So then I write back, and it was maybe the hardest text I'd ever sent. I said, hey, man, I said, I hear you are making miracles happen. Couldn't be happier for you. So happy for you. You know, keep pressing on. And then he writes back immediately, yeah, sorry about the text. Hope you're doing good. (laughs) So, yeah, he, you know, he's being a jerk. He hadn't grown, you know, that much then. And so, so then... He hadn't found his legs quite yet. So then, 2021, so what, I'm not really good at math. Four years later, four years later, and again, my wife's the only one who believes this, okay? And you won't believe it, but that's fine. I go to bed. I have this crazy dream. I haven't thought about Brian in in a minute. And I have a dream that this guy from New York brings me this like $5 million Rolex watch and it's got diamonds all over it. And he gives it to me and he says, do you want this watch? And I'm like, no, I hate that watch. But then in the back of my mind, I said, do you know who would love this watch? And I can only think of one guy, well, there's two guys, one of them's dead and one of them's him. And I said, Brian would love this watch. And so I take the watch in the dream, I fly to Kentucky, I knock on his purple door with, with the gold handle, he couldn't get away from LSU, for those of you from Louisiana, wow, one of you, very nice, and, uh, yes, hey, it's wide open, right, amen, sister, so, so I bring him the watch, and of course, I mean, he loves the watch, you know, come on in, come, you know, meet the boys and we, you know, we hug and like we make up and it's like this emotional dream and I'm, you know, and I'm in it. And then all of a sudden my little boy comes and jumps on my face. I wake up and I'm like, wow. And at 10, 17 that morning, I get a text 
And it's a text that maybe many of you have gotten, I don't know, but it says, was thinking about you, I got something for you, and I can't think of anybody better. So immediately I get it, I'm completely freaked out, and I text him back, and I said, LOL, did you send this to your whole phone? (laughs) And uh, he goes, no, I know exactly who this is. And I called him right away, and I told him about my dream, and I don't think he believed it. But then three and a half years, I mean, three and a half hours later, we had just gone through the last eight years of our life like, like we had never gone away from each other. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Kentucky. Next thing you know, I'm on a jet to Puerto Rico. Next thing you know, I'm drinking ketones. Next thing you know, um, next thing you know, my, my brain for the last month has been lit up like a Christmas tree. And so... Anyway, so, you know, they say that, you know, you can't go home again, but um, I'm home, and I, I love you, and, um, and you know, when, when Natalie was talking, you know, she talked about, you know, losing that belief and, and, and going away for a minute, and sometimes you've got to go far, far away to come back home, and that, I know that's what she did, I know that's what I did, and um, I couldn't be more thankful or grateful, and, and I believe that there are no accidents. I believe that, you know, that miracles happen every day. And I was, I was reading a quote, and I'll shut up, but it's credited to Albert Einstein. I don't know who said it, but it said, there's only two ways to live your life. And the first is as if nothing is a miracle. But the second is as if everything is a miracle. And, and this is a miracle for me, and um, I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you. So... Thank you. Yeah. I didn't send that text, by the way. No, I'm joking. Um, so the point is, it's never too late to reconnect.